0: So a few weeks ago, I actually have permission for Ryan to say this. Uh, A few weeks ago, it was an auspicious moment for people who uh, are lovers of the New York Islanders. It was the 40th anniversary of their first Stanley Cup. And there's a story about that that I'm going to share later. I'm going to come back to it. But I'm going to throw some names out to you. Ralph Lifshitz. Isidana Danilovich and Stanley Levine. Okay, so Ralph Lifshitz is the original name of the fashion magnet Calvin Klein. is um was the original name of um, Kirk Douglas, the great actor. He realized that in order to become uh, an established star in Hollywood, he couldn't go around as Isidor Lovitch. So he changed his name to a very American-sounding Kirk Douglas. Stanley Levine, well, you don't know who Stanley Levine is. Stanley Levine, for those of you who may know, uh, ran uh, lots of commercials. He was a dentist in New York. He originally was from Coney Island where my father grew up. And uh, every time the commercials would come on, be it either on the radio, they didn't do much TV commercials back then, be it either on the radio or in the newspapers. My father would always say, what do you mean Stanley Levine? It's Stanley Levine. He changed the spelling and pronunciation from L-E-V-I-N-E to L-A-V-I-G-N-E. So it sounded French and fancy. So all of these names are the story of people who are on the inside of the Jewish people who look to go out. This morning I want to tell you the story of two people who were on the outside and tried to come in and they forever changed the world that we live in. One of the most important historical Jewish characters of all time, but let's easily agree that over the past 150 years was an Austrian Jew named Theodor Herzl. Theodor Herzl, as we know, is the father of modern Zionism. He was the one who convened the organisms of Zionism that led to the founding of the State of Israel. This Austrian Jew, who originally came from Vienna, came from the most secular of backgrounds. In fact, at the first Zionist Congress, which was over a weekend, on Shabbat they all went to shul, to synagogue, and they wanted to give an aliyah, which you just had. They wanted to give an aliyah to the Torah, to Theodor Herzl. And he sheepishly and quietly said to a few of the organizers that morning, I don't have a talit." I don't know how to read Hebrew, and I never had a bar mitzvah. Could you imagine that? Theodor Herzl, the person who is responsible for the upending of the entire world that Jews are familiar with, never had a bar mitzvah. His parents were completely secularized by their own choice. Completely secularized Jews. They they associated themselves more with being Austrians than certainly with being Jewish. He married a woman who had the same sentimentalities as himself. He died as a young man at 44, and famously so, after Theodor Herzl died, the World Zionist Congress organized crowdfunding to support his family, his wife, and his children. When it came time, when they raised hundreds of thousands of dollars, in today's money, it would be millions. And when they raised that money, they asked his widow where she wanted to invest the proceeds. They suggested to her that they invest in Palestine bonds, which is the forerunner of the Israel Bonds organization. She demurred. The family around her and she said that they were going to invest in bonds of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. She didn't believe what Herzl believed in. Of course, we know what happens after the First World War. But a decade later, the the Austrian-Hungarian Empire completely blows up and they're bankrupt. The State of Israel, but then the Palestinian bonds, now the State of Israel bonds, has never missed an interest payment, ever. Theodor Herzl was this completely secular individual. He writes a book which is the byproduct of a number of events of his his life that he had seen. He was a reporter, not the least of which was the horrific trial, the framing of a French-Jewish officer named Alfred Dreyfus. He writes a book called Der Judenstaat, the Jewish state where he makes an argument for the founding of a state for the Jewish people. This book, within a year, becomes an absolute bestseller throughout the Jewish world. It is translated into more than 12 languages. He goes on a book tour. They didn't have planes back then. He took trains. And wherever he went, he wrote in his diary that at the very beginning, in the early parts of his book tour, he would get off the train of these towns and cities where he was going to speak. And there would be throngs, hundreds if not thousands of Jews waiting for him. And they would be calling out, not his name, but they would be calling him Moses. And he said, I didn't understand this. He said, I'm Theodor Herzl, a reporter and now a writer from Vienna. This morning we read of another outsider. The person for whom Theodor Herzl got his nickname from. Moses. Now Moses wasn't the name his parents gave him, by the way. The name that Moses had, baby Moses, when he was born was Tuvia, we are told in Jewish tradition. Moses is an Egyptian name. It was a name given to him by Pharaoh's daughter, we are told not a Hebrew name. Moses didn't speak Hebrew or whatever kind of dialect the Israelites spoke in those ancient times. He used his brother Aaron to speak for him. Moses was a prince. All the other Israelites were slaves. As you read this morning in explaining your Torah, Ryan, he was an outsider even to his own brother and sister in some ways where Theodor Herzl tried to make an argument for political Zionism because there was religious Zionism at the end of every Passover we say next year in Jerusalem but Theodor Herzl said it is not enough to pray we must do something and organize a political reality that would make the state of Israel possible and Moses comes and says that the argument must be that spiritual freedom is not enough You can't be slaves and still say that you believe in one God. He says, you need physical freedom. We have to take you out of here. And so the question I have, I wanted to share with you this morning, is that the story of these two insiders who look to make their way inside, why is it that two of the greatest revolutions in Jewish history, the exodus from Egypt and the development of political Zionism, why was it both created by people, two individuals who were not part of us, but they were Jews who came from the outside? The answer, I believe, is held in the Torah itself. The story of the Torah portion this morning with the Israelites shockingly it's hard to imagine there there are biblical stories of Jews complaining i know it's hard to imagine but it's true the israelites complain this week they complained last week next week famously is the story of the 12 spies who come back from the land of israel and what do they do they complain and moses says to them are you so small in your own eyes that you can't see what you're capable of. The gift that Herzl and Moses gave to the Israelites and to the Jews was the ability that they could see something in the people that they could not see in themselves. Or by way of another metaphor and story, I'll share with you this way, one that I promised Ryan that I would say. When the New York Islanders won their first Stanley Cup, most reporters say, and analysts think, that the thing that changed the Islanders into a very excellent regular season team, into a Stanley Cup championship caliber team, was the trading of one player, Butch Goring, who came from the Los Angeles Kings. The Islanders were mired in that season in terrible injuries. They had a terrible losing streak. And Butch Goring comes in after one game that they had lost. He threw his equipment down on the floor of the locker room. And he said to them, this newcomer, who had never played for them before. He said to them, you guys don't know just how good you are. He says, but I'm telling you, you're that good. You can win it all. The Islanders, from that point on, didn't lose a game until they reached the playoffs. And they won the Stanley Cup that year. At times in our lives, we need people who remind us of what we're capable of. That in our own vision, we are so profoundly limited to see the people that we can become. The point of human life, as Schopenhauer famously wrote, is not to imagine ourselves as we are, but it is to imagine ourselves as we can be. It is not to accept things the way that they are. And it is not only to dream of the way that things can be, but it is knowing that they can happen that releases the potential for things to change. Herzl and Moses and countless others, and yes, perhaps even Butch Gorick, are a long line of people who came from the outside. And they came to teach us, to inspire us, about what in fact we can accomplish this morning of your Bar Mitzvah Rai you've begun to realize what in fact you can accomplish when you look beyond the things that you may fear or the things that scare you or the things that could be on this morning we are reminded with the stories of Herzl and of Moses of the great contribution that people make when they remind us of the things that we can't imagine that become true. Shabbat shalom.